A choice right now. Between fear and love. Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, Ruth Mendelson. She is the first woman in the history of Berklee College of Music to teach in the film scoring department. She's an Emmy-nominated composer, producer, arranger. She has done scores for tons of networks. I, I, I mean, the list, HBO, National Geographic, Discovery, Disney, Animal Planet, all of these things, The Learning Channel. She has got an incredible resume. What I find even more fascinating about this incredible young lady is uh, her outlook on all of this, her divine timing aspect of everything. She is incredibly in sync with the synchronicities that surround her in the most incredible way. She is one of the most amazing talk-tos that I've ever had, guys. This conversation is wonderful. So without any further ado, let's get to it here. This is Ruth Mendelson. All right, ladies and gentlemen, everyone out in listening world, an incredibly special episode today. We have Ruth Mendelson here with us. Thank you so much for your time. How are you today, Ruth? I am really grateful to be here. Thank you so much. That's, that's how I am right now. Same over here. I'm telling you, all the gratitude is being poured in both directions here. So uh, let's run down just a few of the things that, that we know about you here. So you're a New York Times critic's pick and an Emmy nominee. You're a composer, producer, arranger. Uh, you've been writing award-winning scores for documentaries, HBO, National Geographic, Discovery Channel. Uh, you've done it all. So that's just to touch the surface there. And then, of course, your uh, work at Berkeley College. Uh, tell, tell us about the work at Berkeley specifically. Okay, well, first of all, honestly, all of those credits um, are just nothing but nameplates from the universe, really, so that I can do what I'm really here for, which is to be of service. Mm. I, so, I love this. You're in, the- you know, right? So, you know, the 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 the, the credits are, you know, it's it. Those things sound really impressive. Um, they're very ephemeral, the way that all awards are. Um, but in a world that needs love and compassion, they're helpful to have because it gives credibility to caring. <laughs> you know, it gives it, it gives credibility to to encouraging people to have integrity and do and follow their hearts. And so, you know, for that reason, I I put the awards in there in terms of my bio and stuff. Otherwise, to be honest with you, I could really care less. Which makes you yeah. even cooler. I got to be honest. This makes you even cooler. Uh, well. And especially, you know, and this is, of course, probably why you're so entrenched with Jane Goodall, which we will get to. But yeah, she's a dear, dear friend. And uh, incredible. And incredible. So whenever. Yeah. So Grace McCormick is how we know each other. So Grace and I have known each other for a long time. I'm sure she told you. Uh, and then yeah. I've, I had her and, on the show. 
And you made a guitar that you, and you made your own guitar. Well, I carved it. So it's this one back over here. And That's basically crazy. I just took a um, screwdriver and I just uh, carved it. So yeah. That's insane that i would love to see it at some point so that's but to answer your first question in terms of berkeley um berkeley was kind of like my the book i wrote that i also just um i'm sure that we'll, we'll get to it pursued me i did i had no interest i had no interest in teaching at, at all i did study there I actually, to be totally honest, I mean, to be completely complete, I was in Colorado years ago. I had a dream where I was told that I needed to move to Boston to learn how to read music and that it was time to study. Wow. And I picked up everything. My friends at the time thought that everyone thought I was crazy. I was uh, 19 and uh, moved to Boston and was really grateful that I didn't know what would be in store for me for the first two years because they were really hard. <laughs> um, but I, I waitressed, I drove a truck, I did all kinds of crazy things and then eventually got into school. And so by the time I was in school, I was so relieved to not be driving a truck, like just to be sitting in a classroom receiving information all day was like, oh my God, I love this. And just learning, you know, just 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 learning. I, I was a self-taught musician since very, very, very young. And I had felt very intimidated to actually f study formally um, uh, for a couple of reasons. People kept telling I started as a guitarist. I play a zillion instruments now. But as a guitarist, people used to say to me, wow, you're not supposed to be able to do that. And so my impression of studying was that it confines your creativity so for that reason i avoided it but eventually you know how it is everything when it to when it goes to its extreme it becomes its opposite and so my rebellion against you know being restricted turned into ultimately a fear of well, what if i actually found out find out i'm not any good if i study i you know I, I got to say this here. Uh, whenever you said that, it gave me goosebumps because it mirrors my story. I started with really? guitar, self-taught. I used to play. So my role in my band, because I had a, a band, a, like I did a bunch of stuff. But anyway, in my band, my role was you have to be better than me to play with me. Right. And mm -hmm. and I had mm -hmm. no problem with that. I had three people actually in my band that got accepted to Berkeley School of Music, a bass player, a violinist and a cello player. The drummers that I played with, one of the drummers, grandfathers or great grandfather, I forget which one, invented the kick drum pedal. All of these people were incredible really? musicians. Yeah, like wow. the concept of a kick drum for that. So uh, all of these people were incredible, but same thing, self-taught. Now, I had a keyboardist that was classically trained, theory major. Tell me, same as you, this is what gave me, gave me goosebumps when you said it, you can't do that. And I said, well, mm. sure, I can't watch. Bink, bink. And he was like, no, 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 you can't go from that chord to that chord. Yeah. And like you, now you took it one step further. And we'll, we'll definitely get into that because I think that's fascinating. But I never learned how to read music. I actually actively, for the same reasons, thought I didn't want to learn music for the same reasons. An ego issue of not finding out that I'm not that good or mm, it's skewing right, my right. creativity at all. So this is, I've never heard anyone put it this way before other than myself. And I've never really said it out loud. That's fascinating. That's cool. I've never met anybody who mirror that back either. That's amazing. So Soul tribe. Hell yeah. Yeah. Woo. Ow. So, right. So what happened was, yeah. So then it got to the point where I was in, intimidated to, to actually study because what if I found out I really wasn't any good after all? And so then what happened was I was asked to do, somebody heard me play 
something somewhere and they asked me to uh, do some studio work with them. I got into the studio very naively. They put a piece of paper in front of me. And I mean, it was I I, I was like, it was hi- that's hieroglyphics. What do I do <laughs> right. with this? And it was so stunningly humiliating that it was like, OK, it, it was just it, it totally shifted. It, it shocked things into enough non-equilibrium where it's like, OK, I need to find a new center. Yeah. And it does. It's, and it's, it does. Right. And then I met somebody. By then I was like in my early, tw- like, um, no, late, late teens. When I first, uh, then I met someone who was at the time in her 50s, which when you're in your 20s, that's like, you know, dinosaur. I mean, a, a dinosaur pre-wheel. <laughs> exactly. Right, and right. so. Um, but she was, she was an actress in New York. Not that I ever aspired to actor that hasn't been really so much my, my passion, but, um, but she was so, she had a vibe about her that I realized at the time, this is what it looks like when you actually do what you're meant to do. And it was a really important reflection. So that night after meeting this person, I remember sitting down at my kitchen at the time, which I used to do all, a lot, just late at night, sitting at the kitchen, listening to the whir of the refrigerator and just write, just reflect and write and writing about what am I doing? Where am I going? I need to study. I'm terrified. Okay, let's go. And then um, it was, you know, around that time I had this dream I, to, that I had to move to Boston, which to me was just like this foreign planet. <laughs> But I just picked up in at the time, you know, there, there wasn't much going on in terms of any kinds of attachments in my life at all. And so I just went and I up and went. You know, so. um, there's there's this concept of things being skewed. And so like this this natural concept of things whenever and, and I'll say this just observationally, whenever humans get their hands in it, there tends to be this natural impetus. Uh, entropy that occurs, right? So even with music, even like you say about your accolades and everything, that that's just an accolade. That's just a, a tool for you to then be exposed to more people to share the word than the music that you've got, your your talent. Uh, and with the uh, song, the music reading element of it, it feels like that as well. It takes some of that purity away. You know, this takes somebody who's learned a skill or something either independent on their own by feeling, by inspiration, by guided by whatever you want to say, divine timing, all of those things. And mm-hmm. It, yeah, it takes I this it absolutely. I would too, and yeah. I, I want to talk to you about inspiration here in a second as well. Uh, but it it kind of takes and skews this stuff. Now the entropy part of it is even something as pure as going out making a skin drum out of something and then commercializing it, right? And then so turning it into an industry, into something where there's standards where. You don't decide those standards, sort of like art. I mean, there's there's this natural degradation into anything that humans get their hands in, even something as pure and beautiful. And I'm going to say divine as music. You know, that's like the ultimate communication with the universe, with us on a spiritual level, math and music. And they're not independent of each other. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a crazy way to look at it, though, because it seems like, like you said, I mean, everything that's pure gets corrupted at some point, even by a simple you needing requiring to read a sheet of music to be able to participate in your gift. It's and but you figured out how to walk between both worlds. Well, I think I think what you just said, though, is the key. The awareness that if you get in the way, you're screwing it up. I I think there's a lot to that. 
There's a lot to, I mean, because I know, I mean, to be completely transparent about this in terms of my own creative process, the first thing I do really honestly is put out a, for lack of a better term, this is a, it's these days it's a weird, it's, it can be a controversial term even, but I put out a prayer to just stay out of the way because the music, whether it's music, whether it's written words, whether what, but music, like you say, is, is absolutely a, one of the most pure of divine voices. So the music is so much bigger than me. I mean, every time I get done with a score, it's frightening. Mm. And what just happened or not just a score. I mean, if I'm tracking something for someone, you know, playing, you know, whatever instrument I'm playing, you know, it's, it, 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 it can be, it's startling for me at the end because it's like, what just happened? Yes. You know? So if the if the goal is to stay out of the way, if there's that awareness that there's a there, there's a tendency to get in the way, that awareness then can be used to produce the opposite, which is to keep it pure or at, at least as pure as possible. I agree with that. And getting out of the way is something I've experienced as well. And I even do this with this show. Um, I will not remember any of the episode until I go back to edit it later. I'm in this moment. You and I are here doing this. It doesn't matter if I remember every little bit of the detail. I go back and listen to it like it's the first time after I hear this. This also happens with musicians, with people who get in that zone, that you know, whenever you get into the most pure state of what you do, what is your true essence, there's no mental cognition in the moment. It's a release. And the more you surrender to that idea, the better the performance, the more true and authentic it comes out. Because just to riff off of what you're saying, because for me, then it's not really a performance at all. Right. Exactly. It's a state of existence. You're channeling it's a state of existence. Exactly. 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 There's no performing. There's there's no performing. There's That's just right. responding, responding and and letting it through whatever that translates into. And it's in. I mean that. I completely agree. And it's in this way that you can kind of see this with like mediums or somebody like that that's channeling an entity. You're basically and. If you, if you want to go really, really deep on this, which I love doing, then oh, you're, yeah, really, I do. <laughs> you're bringing higher, the highest state of consciousness possible down to a human third dimension reality vibration and sharing this, even though it's exceptional and something that not everybody can do or can experience or can, let's put channel in, in a way, because that's how it feels yeah. to me. I've yeah. at least got yeah. several songs that I can tell you. I don't remember writing at all. They're actually my favorite ones, and it doesn't feel like it came from me at all. Stylistically, they're very different. It's chord progressions and fingerings that I would I haven't written into any other songs, but they're my favorite melodies. Like the the way that it plays, I'm like, I didn't write this, you know. And even people like Tesla, they're these downloads that are talked about about these great divine inspirations. Scientists go through this. Musicians are, I think, the closest step to this because they're very aware of this process. They don't deny it and try to write it off with something that they're trying to explain as a scientific observation. It's it's purer than that. You Like you said, that's getting in the way by just trying to explain it. It's getting in the way. Yeah. Interpretation is, a, is can taint it. So have you done that? Have you written music and been like, where the hell did this come from? A lot. Yes. <laughs> Often. I mean, when it's really, really good, that usually is what happens. It's just like, whoa. I, I mean, yeah, I, often. 
what what made you want to write scores specifically? Because scores for movies to me, as a, as a musician, seem like one of the most challenging things in the world. Because you're a conductor. You're conducting an entire arrangement of music that goes yeah. in a certain flow. And you've got to be cognizant of the way that all of these things interact and play together. Okay. I... You're, you're at, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I ne- this is another one. I never aspired to do this. I mean, I've, I've, my, a lot of my life is a series of the wrong things happening in the right way. And so what happened was, so, okay, I did get into a music school. I did get, I did get into Berkeley years ago. I was a performance major way back then. I was playing, um, with a great drummer named Ed Uribe. He, he passed recently, a couple of years ago. Um, but anyway, so I was playing this session with him. I was playing five string bass. And we were doing live to two track and just like, um, it was a Chick Corea's tune actually at the time that we were playing. And at the end of the session, my, my right wrist just gave out. I mean, it was really scary. I, it not, it, that had never happened before. I went to all these different doctors. Is it carpal tunnel? No, tendonitis, no. And then I went to uh, one doctor. It's interesting. The guy who was the most arrogant actually ended up giving me the best advice. Oh, that is odd. Yeah, it was odd. But, you know, that was another lesson. He was just that confident, right? <laughs> yeah. But he did say something that was the most helpful. He said, you know, you need to just don't think about this for six months. Give yourself six months. Do not play an instrument for six months. That was the ticket for me because then it's like, okay, I'm not going to try. Because what would happen was I would try to play piano. I tried to play guitar. I tried to play bass. I tried to play, you know, all, you know, drums, whatever it was that I was trying to play. And the wrist would last for maybe literally 30 seconds. And then this pain would come back. And so by giving, by bracketing that time where, okay, I'm not going to do this, then that opened up the question that I think the universe was wanting me to ask myself all along was, how can I be involved in music if I can't play it? And so I started, it's like, well, I can always write. I mean, I can hear music internally. So, because I, at the time, it's like, I can't not be involved in music. That's like not breathing. So that it's like, okay, I'm going to start studying composition, which I never aspired to do before. I never wanted to, I wasn't interested in it. I was more interested in being just a musician, not just, but to be being a musician, uh, but to actually study composition at the, it never occurred to me to do that. And I had the real amazing good fortune of taking a class with somebody who was such an extraordinary and total inspiration. And that was like the universe completely opening up to a whole new realm of depth and color and expanse and movement and that I never even knew existed. And I was... It was really just discovering a completely new sphere, dimension of music that that I it was interesting because it felt like it was brand new, but it also felt like I've known this all along somehow. Or it's familiar in a in a almost heartbreakingly beautiful way. It's familiar to me somehow, but it's brand new also. And so 
then I was thinking, well, how can I make a living doing this kind of thing? And I was like, well, there's a film scoring department. I think I'll take a class. And then it was like, wow, to study, to get inside the soul, the mind of a character and to have to tune into those inner meridians so keenly and then just express that through sound. How cool is that? So that's how it got started. You know, what I like about this is, okay, do you think that your injury was an accident? Um, at the time I did, in retrospect, no. Why? Uh, because sometimes things have to be taken away to redirect focus. It, it's almost like, and this is exactly, I, I knew you'd answer it that way, that's why I asked. So <laughs> if, it, it's, it's almost like whenever you look at this kind of thing, like you would have been fine and content, not even content, you would have thrived being just in air quotes, as you said, a musician, right? Uh, but it seems like that you're calling clear. I mean, clearly, and, and like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. So at the time, yes, it's a setback. It's damn it. You know, things didn't go towards plan. And if you're a big fan of manifestations and things like that, I have an idea about um, manifestation that and setback. So I've got this idea, mm. and I've been talking about this to a few folks lately. Uh, if you're into the concept of spirit guides and that time is only linear from our perspective because that's how we experience our experience and therefore it's infinite, right? But I will take it a little bit further to the idea that your now influences your past and your present. Obviously, your now is creating your future. The past that we have is just a memory of something that we used to experience that the only way that we remember it is to bring it to now, to remember it, to recall it now. The future, though, is a sea of potentiality and possibilities. Now, what's really interesting, back to your point as well, is that let's say you wanted to just be a musician and the universe and you, so then therefore you manifest, I just want to be a musician to your potential best self. Now your best self is already out there. It's living its life in your future that you are creating currently. This is just the idea to this though. Whenever you tell the universe, Hey, I want this thing, but there's a better version of what you want, just slightly different, but the choices you make now are what impact that the most. I have this vision, instead of looking at it as setback, the way that I view it, is I've sent something out to the universe, I just want to be a musician. Uh, going back to your metaphor, I just want to be a musician. Well, then your spirit guides will send up to your future self and say, hey, she just wants to be a musician. Is this cool with you? And then your future self, that's your composer that's sitting next to Jane Goodall right now, says, hang on, uh, no, 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 no. D d screw up her arm and then have a doctor tell her with hubris that she needs to take six months off. That'll lead her into this. That'll lead her into that. So in my mind, it's almost like a delayed thing, but it actually steers you in the correct direction. So it's not setback. It's true divine timing it's your future yes. self telling those guys to come back and say no 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 no, hold off we've got something better in plan for you and now look where look what you did with that yeah i i would agree completely i've never really quite thought of it in exactly like that but the but yes in fact you know there, it's interesting there was one time okay when i was in my early 20s. So I had just moved to, to the Boston area. I mean, the first two years for me really, truly were miserable here. <laughs> um, I don't live in the city. I'm, I live a little further out just because that helps my sanity. But um, I, um, first two years were, it, it was just hard for, for, a number, for a number of reasons. And I was waitressing and I, you know, wasn't really doing what I wanted to do. And it, it was in adjusting to the cultural shifts and all of that kind of stuff at the time. I had a dream at the, at the height of, of, how, of that challenge one night where I was in a car 
and I was in the back seat, somebody else was driving and I was who I was back then in the dream. The car suddenly stopped. Somebody opened my door and a hand reached in to escort me out, which is strange. That's not how I live. But anyway, so somebody like this hand was, you know, reaching to escort me out. This hand pulled me out and I and the hand belonged to me 25 years later. Yes. And I looked into the eyes of this person as as the person I was back then. And that person was so much more in just almost incomprehensibly more together than I was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I just knew when I woke up that I was going to be okay. And that I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew that, that the difficulties that I was experiencing at that point in time, this too shall pass. It'll be okay. But even that recognition of it, that's some advanced black belt manifestation uh, practices because, and you just came about them naturally. Yeah, I wasn't trying for anything. That's just what really ha- I mean that that was that just happened, you know. I I I can't really take credit for that. <laughs> that just happened. Right. And it is fascinating because it does seem to be like your intuition is maybe, you know, one potential explanation for it would be that it is your future self guiding you from the future, you know. That's what it felt like to me. God, that's I love what, stuff like this. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting. I haven't thought about that in a long time, but hearing you talk, it, thank you for that because it, rem- it inspired me to remember that. Thank you for that. It, it you know, kind of validates the idea because it's just, I have a little area back here that I walk and meditate in. I ground back here. Oh, cool. We have a 12 acre ranch out here. So I've, I've mowed a huge area of it, just a bunch of paths and stuff. And I'll let the uh, wildlife grow up around it. And it's just kind of where I ground and I come up with some really crazy ideas out there. That's my, um, you know, portal area where I can really tap in, ground with the earth, uh, walk around bare let the dogs run around be very in the moment and i get some crazy ideas like this or some really interesting inspirations that was one of them that i had on one of these walks so it's interesting it's very cool i like i love talking to people like you about this kind of stuff yeah Um, mutual (laughs) so with with uh let's talk about your book so um the water tree way is awesome uh, I did get an Thank advanced you. copy of it. It is more touted as like a children's book, but I think that there's a ton of wisdom in there um, for beyond that, because I know that one of the taglines is, you know, that it's great for children of all, but I think that there's so much wisdom in that thing. So what uh, was the inspiration for that? Um, that, okay. That, that's a, that's a really, well, first of all, thank you. Um, that is another one of those. I never wanted to write a book. I never, I, I never wanted to write a book. It wouldn't leave me alone. It started all the way back in 1985. That's where the initial images, these images started coming into my mind that are in the book, that are, that are actually major characters in the book. And then, um, so I, I just started writing them and then just felt oddly compelled to really just start to really, really write. Um, but it was kind of like, you know, there's a, there is a character in the book that's a mosquito that just won't leave the main character alone. That, that in a way, was the book itself for me. It wouldn't leave me alone. So, like, it, in between film scores, in between touring as a musician, you know, in between whatever other things in life, a lot of humanitarian work that I do also, you know, in between all of those things, there was this book. And it was finally, I thought, done it so over the course of decades i was working on this thing 
So I kind I never in a zillion years though could have predicted that it would be as important as it is right now. It's so great. Uh, oh, guys, check the uh, show link, uh, the show description for all of the little links to find her, her book or your work. I will, I will link all the ways that you'd like me to down in the show notes as well. Uh, go check this thing out. Very wholesome, tons of, tons of wisdom. So it's not just for kids, but it's very cross-generational. You guys can share this with your family. It's got a wonderful message and it's a wonderful read. You're an incredible writer, uh, music oh, and you. of um, the way that you do stuff is fascinating to me uh, because you've really got a great grip on leading people down a certain feeling with the narration going on top of it or with the elements that are visually presented to you with your film score work. Uh, I think that it's one of the most fascinating ways to do music because you're marrying things like the inspiration, feelings and divine elements of music that connects us so much to source with the visual way in which people are used to and have been conditioned to. And it's just a lot easier for some folks to receive information. So you're marrying the two elements and the way that the feelings of music then cross with the feelings of vision. It's fascinating to me uh, what you're able to do. Well, thank you. You know, honestly, it, it, this is absolutely a career that I, I mean, I'm, it's really cool that I can be this transparent. This is a just this is a career that I was guided into. This is this is not this was not something where I set my sights and just worked towards this for years or anything like that. This was something at the at the end of the day, the most important thing is that the work is involving vibrational medicine. Yeah. And so artists and this is um, for for anyone out there who's listening, who's an artist please do your thing. Please get your work out there in whatever capacity your is available to you. Um, we don't know what actually is happening. I don't feel in terms of when we're actually really releasing our artwork into the world, what it actually is really doing in terms of providing healing. It's, 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 extraordinarily powerful and like many many powerful things it's also very subtle then too like it's not something that you can you know you can't hook it up to a machine at least at this point in history and measure it in terms of its its effectiveness to improve whatever you know condition or situation a person the listener or the viewer may be in but it, it's a guarantee that it will bring healing but it's not even our business to know to whom even that's the other you know it's like it's not my business it's it's only my business to to stay out of its way release it and let it have feet of its own and do what it's supposed to do it's not my business in terms of who it helps the only thing i know in my heart is it's going to help somebody you're putting great things out into the universe as opposed to somebody that does things for nefarious reasons with the intention of hurting somebody else. You're doing Correct. a beautiful gift of sharing something with someone with the intention of knowing that it will, but not for anyone in particular. It's for everyone because Correct. it's going to, I mean, to use a musical term, it's going to resonate with everyone differently, but impact somebody directly. Absolutely. And that's why, I mean, it's the same thing, whether it's writing a book, which I do encourage listeners this is not a shameless plug, you guys. No. Okay, at all. This is a world we all need and deserve reminders as to who we really are on the inside, especially right now, because that's what helps keep every. That's what he, keeps you healthy, strong, balanced, confident. You know, there there are more than enough energies out there that are um, 
I would just say not in balance. I'm being dip- diplomatic. I'm, I'm uh, grateful for your diplomacy. Uh, yeah. I do the same thing. We walk a balance when we really want to just scream at everybody, right? But that's not the example that we set. That's but, not, that, yeah, because it, it's like, that doesn't really do any, it, it's not helpful. It's not a helpful, good call. Not, and I completely agree. Plus it's counter to your message, right? It does the opposite exactly. of its intended. Exactly, right. exactly. But, you know, anything, you know, what if it's designed if it's from the heart and it's designed really to be helpful, it is a guaranteed medicine for others. It's a guarantee. You can't miss. It's a bullseye. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And that's a thing I think that, you know, that's a, a message that um, I think is really important to get out there, um, to encourage everyone to, to just, you know, express yourself. A lot of people like, okay, like even for the book, the way that it just, like I said, it, when it wouldn't leave me alone, I mean, it was antagonizing my energy. Like it just, you know, me, the book. Okay. All right. I'll write you. I will. I promise. Okay. I will. Um, but I think that a lot of people, you know, there are a lot of people walking around very vexed these days. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder also, I have to say, honestly, it's like how many of those people who are vexed all the time have masterpieces in them that they're pushing away. I'm going to say it's some capacity, all of them. Mm. They have something to contribute that's beautiful because that's why they're here. I believe it's a very purposeful reason why we're all here on some cosmic level. So, of course, they have something to get. Now, I would say also to that point, though, part of this experience or this dichotomy here, one of the ideas is is that the lizard lizard people that are running the world, right, it's planned. It's part of it. You know, I heard um, I've had a guy named Pat Mahan on my show, and he does a show called Like Attracts Like. He's wonderful. One of the examples he gave with dichotomy and especially setbacks as far as what humanity does to humanity um, is, is they're just two, um, there are two important parts of the same experience. He said his analogy on it was a play. Whenever the villain and the hero both bow at the end of the play because they're both a necessary part of the experience. Mm. So That's you well have put. to have that. Oh, That's Pat well Mahan's put. awesome. You you would love Pat. He's inc- incredible. Yeah. That's cool. I'll, I'll get you two hooked up. He's wonderful. Yeah, um, thank you. Of thank course. You. So, cool. uh, okay, what... what have you looked into sound healing at all and the work that's been done there? Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't, um, it's something that I'm inherently just intuitively very interested in. It's something that I'm very dedicated to in a lot of the work that I'm doing, but I haven't, I can't really say that I've studied it. Um, there actually is a CD that I created, um, a while ago, I wrote something for the new England aquarium that uh, they were they had a jellyfish exhibit this is crazy okay i'll again because you're you i'll i'll just go all right so i was in the desert in arizona where i spend a lot of time that's actually i mean before covid anyway i haven't really gone there since covid hit i haven't traveled very much at all but i usually at least pre-covid i would do a lot of traveling a lot of time alone in the desert that's been my my muse place and uh, there was one time I was out in uh, Painted Desert Petrified Forest region. I love that area. It is so gorgeous. I. That's one of my favorite national parks. My is wife it? and I went there. It's because uh, it's got the petroglyphs. It's got the it's, the hills, the petrified forest, everything. It's, everything. I, I'm it's, with you. It is. It is magical there. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, so I was I was out there, and just overlooking, you know, 400 miles of land in all directions. I was just. It was just. It was beauty, you know, personified. And so, and then this message came 
that the sea beings were calling. And I started laughing. It's like, there's not a drop of water for miles here. <laughs> the sea beings are calling. Okay. And so anyway, so I, I scribbled it in my journal because I, when I go on these trips, when it's just me and, you know, pure silence, I, you know, have a notebook if anything inspires me, you know. And um, so, and I was also told that I, this, this music was going to hold many people in a space of love. So then I was back, zoom forward four months, I'm back in the East and the New England Aquarium calls me up and says, well, you know, we have this jellyfish exhibit coming up and um, would you write the score? So I spent hours with these fish behind the scenes, like all the fish, were, like before the exhibit opened, it was really funny, all the fish were like in their tanks, you know, um, like waiting to go on, it was kind of crazy. And I spent, like I said, hours just watching their movements and all the different kinds of jellyfish and they're just, um, just stunningly beautiful. Um, and the music that ended up coming through, I cried. I mean, it was just beautiful. And then they, the director was so moved by the music that he got a new speaker system for that exhibit. Wow. Now that was the setup because it seemed like, wow, this is really great. Then they placed the speakers in such awful positions. Uh. They totally, but they messed it. They, it wasn't good. It really, it, when, when I went, th there's a reason I'm saying this. It's, it's not to diss the aquarium people, you know. Um, it was more the lesson for me that was in store. Um, uh, I, I really, you know, when I went to the premiere, I was like, this is, how can this hold anybody in a space of love? You can't even hear it. You know, how is this going to do anything? And the track itself, the music was 24 tracks of sound. All it, it sounds very simple, but it's actually not. These these tracks are all going very subtly in opposite directions, different directions at different rates to create the depth and movement of water. But it's music. It's not like trying to sound like literal water. So it was a very complex mix. Um, but again, it was just what, you know, what was, what was there to do. And so then spiritually, I was like, well, you know, kind of put me in a tailspin. Did I actually hear what I heard? Because the message seemed so clear when I got it. And this really looks like a mess right now. So is it, was I, you know, what, so finally it got to the point, I, I just had to let it go. It's like, okay, for, for whatever reason, this was very disappointing. But, um, okay, life goes on, you know, life goes on. So a couple weeks after that point, I get this email from this woman who identifies herself as a teacher in Craig, Alaska, which is 5,000 miles from here, saying, I heard you wrote this jellyfish music that helps children learn. Can I get your CD? So I thought it was a prank, honestly. I thought it was one of my friends just, you know, just pulling my leg and so <laughs> i wrote back the story I, yeah right so i i wrote back and i said i don't understand how you could have heard of this given it's a stationary exhibit and you're all the way on the opposite side of the continent do you have a can you can i call you can we talk about this and she wrote back with her phone number it was craig alaska so what happened was a teacher went to the aquarium one day and 
there were very few people there. So she could actually hear the soundtrack and she was watching these fish and listening to the music and really getting the whole divine synchronicity of the whole thing. And she thought, wow, this, I need this in my classroom. This is gonna help children learn. She wrote that on an international teachers forum. The teacher in Craig, Alaska read that, contacted the aquarium who gave her my email address. And that's what started the whole thing. So then I did a, a, a new mix because the mix that I ended up doing for the aquarium was specific for those speakers, even although it didn't really matter at the time, but it, it, it wasn't the same depth and color for home systems. So I went back into the studio and did a remix and released it. Then, and that's, it basically went viral at the time. And I was getting, I have a stack like, like this of snail mail and emails of people, you know, using it in pain clinics, hospice, uh, chemotherapy, surgery. Um, one person said that her son was in a coma and at the time he came, he came out of the coma. He said it was his favorite music while in coma. Interesting. Um, so he was able to, he remembers hearing the music while he was in the coma and that yeah. having a positive effect on him. Yeah. God. So I haven't studied, you know, like music therapy, but it, it's, um, but it's all about healing anyway. So, um, you know, when you're telling your story and again, hindsight, what I love is, is the possibility that maybe like, let's say a jellyfish contacted you and then wrote the song through you because it knew that this teacher was going to come over, hear it, even on a not ideal sound system, take that to a classroom. Maybe the child in that classroom inspired by that music ends up being the leader of the resistance that takes over the, you know, the uh, artificial intelligence in the future to the soundtrack of your music. We have no idea, like what you said about the gift. You have no idea the ripple effect. We, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, I, I, I exactly. I mean, I've been fortunate enough, fortunate enough to, to, to hear, to get feedback about various projects so that, and, and maybe that, maybe that also is a part of the universe. Just it's like, so that I can model for people. This is what happens, whether we find out about it or not, it doesn't matter. I just happen to be in a place where I hear about it sometimes. And you're in tune enough to pay attention to those things. That's a big part of this. You at least can know what's happening. You said, okay, fine, wrote it down, fine, four minutes later, and then now you create these things. But it, it takes a lot of uh, hubris on your point as well to be able to just, sit, like you said, get out of the way. I think that recognition right there has set that foundation for you just to take on any kind of opportunity that you have and then thrive in it because you know that the opportunity was presented because of the work that you created out of it in some divine way. Like that was your opportunity to do that. It came to you. They could have asked anybody, to make jellyfish music they could have pulled something from you know uh the duty free stuff online right your uh open yeah. source medium but they didn't do that they came to you specifically yeah <clears throat> correct and so <clears throat> right i think it's just a matter of saying yes you know when we say yes i mean and 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 being willing to feel scared you know i mean because it requires risks it's it's not <clears throat> i mean it, it's it 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 takes um, a, a bit of being able to value not knowing exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. The unknown unknowns. It's that state of vulnerable awareness is how I refer to it. Mm, right. Yeah. Like you're ready, well, but you're open. Yes, exactly. And it, it's like, you know, artistically, I think that we're being asked, we have to be vulnerable. We, I mean, we have to, how can you 
internally hear if you're not open. I mean, and then the how, process would be interrupted by your ego. That's what the lack of vulnerability is just the control of ego. So if your ego's taken over, you have no eyes to see it. If you're vulnerable, you're open to everything. True. And, but the other part of it too is you still need boundaries. You know, I, I mean, because I see, you know, it's, um, it's, you know, t- time and place, when to take a risk. Um, and also, but what's it for? I think that, you know, I was somebody, I, I was listening to uh, a talk earlier today and they were saying, you know, there are two very important times of life. One is when you're born and the other is when you realize what you're born for. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. And some people go their entire lives without knowing that. It, right. So if the question, though, is like, you know, what am I born for? Then you're going to get an answer. So keep asking. All you have to do is ask and be open to it. Yeah. So, you know, but it's, you know, in, in terms of, you know, ar- artistically, if there is, you know, for me personally, the, the guiding light also is like, what is this for? This is to be of service. It, 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 whether this is really interesting. I, I had no idea I was going to actually talk about this. I haven't thought about this in years. It's really great talking with you because as I'm sure you know, the conversation isn't so much about the person who's speaking. It's about the person who's listening that, you know what I mean? Yes, ma'am. That, 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 in, yeah that inspires that flow, you know, mm-hmm. um, years ago, I, I do not score ads. I, I don't, you know, I don't, um, I I'm these days actually very, very, uh, discerning about the kind of work that I take. And I told the universe point blank, this is cause I've been, I've realized it's like one of my greatest trainings for film scoring was simply to be, or in life in general, was when I was waitressing. Like, you need to know, the customer needs to know what do they want to eat, and they put in their order, and they wait for it to come back. You know, and it's just kind of in that order. So it's like my sole responsibility as a being on this planet is to know what do I genuinely need. And once I'm clear, or at least have an idea of that, I put in my order and I wait for it to come back. Yes, you don't describe how it, you don't dictate how it's supposed to come back to you. You just go, okay, there you go. Again, this is that black belt stuff about manifestation that you that just comes naturally to you. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I think it's really important to be directed at times, but I think it's also I've just experienced so many unexpected things over time and reasons to trust the process. Right, because the universe tends to I might have an idea, but the universe is going to way supersize it beyond anything I can imagine. Yeah, that's your spirit guides referring to your future self saying, Mm-mm, hold her back. Yeah, exa- right, exactly. Because, I mean, no offense to myself, but, you know, my temporal mind is relatively puny. <laughs> it's you know? a so, beautiful way to put it. No offense to me currently, but I don't know anything, right? Yeah. No, I don't. I really don't. I mean, I don't. I mean, really, no offense. But I, I really, I, I, I don't. And, and I know enough to know that if I think I do, um, that often is death rattle in terms of flow. But what I like about your story is you are somebody that's an example of the 
productivity and the success as a model, not business-wise, just as a successful uh, undertaking, is you, you're an example of this process. You're an example of whenever you figure out what you want to do, you go for it. You're not too, I'm going to say, impatient uh, with the process and you just let things happen. You are the example of how things work in this perfect paradigm, the way that things roll in, the way that you then take them up on them, uh, the scruples and boundaries, like you said, that you have about not doing um, Mentos commercials or something. That would have been a dope one to write, though. Let's be honest. That's a good jingle. It gets stuck in my head all the time. Uh, I haven't seen a Mentos commercial in years, but it's right here. Oh, uh, can I share what about Please. the ad thing, though? Because I just realized I didn't even I, I got off on my own tangent there. OK, so this is what happened. This was really interesting. So there was this was a, I mean, this is years ago now, but this ad that I got asked to do an ad, I, which normally I wouldn't do. But internally, I was guided to do it. Mm. So yeah, what do like, you do with that? I took it. So so what happened was it was this. Really, really poorly acted. I mean, it was really funny. I don't have a copy of it anywhere, but um, or I would show you. But it's it was an ad for Big and Tall Men's Clothing, and it was members of the Celtics, the basketball team, talking about how they shop there for Big and Tall Men's Clothing, and they were so obviously reading cue cards like I shop at Big and Tall Men's. You know, I mean. It was so bad. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, this is great. Why this? Okay. I, and again, because this, Brandon, this, again, this says a lot about you, man, because I, I did not think I was going to. All right. So what happened was, this happens to me a lot when I'm sitting at a keyboard. I just experienced going to a different place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what I was shown was this, I was shown, okay, first of all, that, it turns out that ad was going to be played during Celtic games all season, that upcoming season. Now, at the time, the audience for those games was mostly men. In the state of Massachusetts, which is where this ad was going to be broadcast because, you know, it's a Celtics thing. Prostate cancer was at an all-time high. Right? So as I'm working on this insanely poorly made, you know, big and tall men's clothing ad, I'm sitting at, at a keyboard and all of a sudden I find myself in front of this like medical screen. Now, this is obviously in an interdimensional way. You know, this is not a physical thing. But when those things happen, you know, there is clear, they're more clear than physical actually anyway. So what I was shown suddenly was this diagram of the prostate. And I'm like, why am I being shown this? And I was shown a pulse beat and I was told internally, this is the healthy pulse of a prostate. This is what the music needs to match because this is the attunement that every time this ad plays, it's going to be basically this vortex of attunement for whoever's watching who needs it. Shut up. For real. That is fascinating. For real. Yeah. So, okay. Now, now I've just got to ask, of course, did you go back and look at the studies of from when that ran to if there was any correlation in a decrease in prostate cancer? No, I didn't. I because then I was on, to, I was on to the next after that. 
And again, think about this. If it resonated literally in one person's prostate that then goes on to change the world and inspires a bunch of people, again, I'm, I'm pretty sure we have a either a zombie apocalypse or an artificial intelligence takeover coming pretty soon. And maybe they're the leader of the resistance and they're fueled by your tunes, dude. This is amazing. So even with... Even with the boundaries that you set into place where no ads and that was a big thing because you had an altruistic motive for it. It seems like the universe said, I know that you you know, said this and, and we're going to go with you on this every other time. But for this one, I need you just to trust and listen to us. And then you were given that guidance about the, the pulse. So you said it to that BPM? Yeah, I did. Damn, yeah, I did. What BPM was it? I'm just curious. Uh, you know what? I'd have to look back because I honestly in this moment don't remember. I'm going to say it, 86. It was, it was, What's that? Uh, I, I said, I'm going to say 86. I'm just messing. It was, it was in the 80s. It really? was in the 80s. Yeah, it was. I'm going to be damned if it's 86. Watch this. <laughs> I, have to, I, have to, I, have, I have to. It's in a drive somewhere like way, way, way back in time. Gotcha. I can, I gotta, I, I can find it. I have it somewhere. But I, I remember it was somewhere in the 80s. But it was very, but the, it was meticulously that pulse. But what I was shown in, in that diagram was that the sickness was coming because the pulse was off. Wow. And so that was, and so, you know, that, that's why like, even, you know, that whatever style of music, it, it doesn't, it, whatever's going to achieve the healing is the way to go. Whatever that, whatever that is. And so, I mean, I've done stuff that I've never done in my, I don't know how to do, and yet I do it. So, you know, it's that, like, what just happened thing. Yeah, you're just open to it. You've got the talent, but you've got the openness to it, which, which right. fuels I think, even I think more. Exactly. I do. I'm, I'm very grateful. I am blessed. I was given, I was absolutely given talent to work with, but so hasn't everybody been. So, you know, I, this is not exclusive to me. But this, but this is where you're empowering is in this way because you you're now speaking to trust of the process you're you're an example of of how trusting the process works out like this this is what we all talk about when we talk about things like this and you're out there living it and doing it now <clears throat> the reason earlier that i'd mentioned the sound healing stuff because you hear all these amazing stories about people taking pulse waves you know through the human body destroying cancers with it. This is what they do with kidney stones. They do ultrasonic pulsing. Then you talk about uh, molecular uh, disturbance with crystals and things by matching the frequency of the glass. There are so many things having to do with music that are so mysterious. Uh, even down to, uh, have you have you ever heard of Coral Castle in Florida? Built by... I've, I've heard, uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot about it, but it's that sound... I've heard of it, but that's that's where it begins and ends. So go for it. That's OK. It's a big mystery. But uh, there's a guy named Ed Lee Scallion who did this and he was like five foot nothing, weighed a buck nothing. Um, and he built this whole thing for um, his wife from Latvia. And this was uh, a long time ago, probably in the 40s in Florida. OK, um, and you can still go to this place today and look at it. This one man built this entire complex with blocks of coral. They're actually limestone, but they call it coral. And they built these massive things. And he said that he had figured out how they built the pyramids and it had to do with sound frequency so he could actually resonate with the blocks and turn gravity off and then move them into place and set them down so this is another really thing cool. that they talk about well right and then with tibet uh tibetan practices they have myth in their culture that talk about the focus of directed pitch and frequency and being able yes. to levitate blocks people anything yes okay yes i well, all right there's something that um 
back in, all right, back in 1989, I was in a very significant car crash and I had a near-death experience. Um, during that, afterwards, I was bedridden for about six weeks. I mean, my head cracked a windshield, my knee went through the dashboard. I mean, it was, it was, it was stupid. Um, but many mysterious things started happening in that six weeks of just convalescing. Cause I was really too weak to, I mean, if I, if I had the strength to take a shower that day, that was the accomplishment for the day back then. And, um, I became aware one day that I was actually doing these outrageous mathematical equations in my head. And I called my roommate at the time, Mikey, a great musician, Michael McLaughlin. Um, we were roommates for years back then. And I said, Mikey, can you come in here and just bring a calculator? So he brought, I mean, that, this is back in the days where people actually had calculators. And so he, um, I said, okay, like 2,721 times 393 equals blah. And just rattling off all of these equations. And they were always right. Damn. Yeah. So in that incredibly vulnerable state, it was, it was a, a benefit to have been bedridden at that point because I was so cracked open. If I had gone out on the street in that condition, I would have snapped out because my nervous system was so completely, utterly exposed. Like I, I was like an embryo. And so, um, but the, the reason I'm saying this is, you know, based, you know, just riffing off again, riffing off of what you're saying, like what I became aware of in that state and I don't, I don't have that mathematical ability now. What I was able to partly retain, though, was deep intuition after that. Deep trust and intuition. That, that never really left How old after were you that. when that happened? What's that? How old were you when that happened? 29. 29. So you're 10 years after becoming this more than professional musician in your late teens. 19 is what we had talked about. And you're 10 years later, you get this, and now you've been impacted severely with a resulting Actually, case. Oh, okay. Of All right. Should I? Okay. Let's get super deep real, okay? Please, please. A week before the car accident, I was thinking about quitting music. What? Yeah, dude. So why do you think, though, that you had all these mathematical equations in your, in your mind? Why do you think it went to math rather than anything else? Um, because there was this correlation that I, I, I just felt at the time, that I, not, I experienced at the time. Mathematics is the momentum. Like, mathematics is momentum. Like, all you need is equations to move things. That's what I became aware of. I, I, I didn't, like, sit down and work out mathematical equations because frankly at the time i wasn't in the headspace to even do that there was just this awareness that that the momentum of mathematics i'm not a mathematician by the way at all i mean at all but in that state there was something about the joy of math that would just move had the ability to move things literally move things like momentum like like pick up a boulder and move it through equations somehow, through dimension, through divine, divine symmetry somehow, divine, all of these equations, mathematics is a divine vocabulary. It, it, it's not a, um, 
it's not a math problem. It's a it's it's a divine voice somehow, like music. But this is this is the way in which you are a mathematician. You're an I I think that a musician is a mathematician, just that you paint with a baton rather than a pen on a board to work out equations and explain the way that the universe potentially works. You're giving people an experience, but it is mathematically based. When you're talking about octaves, uh, thirds, True. harmonics. True. Uh, rhythms, time signatures, things like this. The One of the examples I always use, and I can always spot a 6-8 time signature out in the world, and I'm sure you do this too. You definitely do it too, because this is what you do, but I can always spot it because it, it hits me with a feeling before that first round is ever even over. You've got the one, two, three, four, five, six. Our heart beats in three, four time, so you re resonate with that time signature on a very yes. deep, 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 deep level. Deep, deep, yes. Yes, so totally anything 6-8, 3-4, totally... any of that stuff, like a waltz is 3-4, but a 6-8, of course, and I'm just mainly doing this for the audience. So what I, what I find interesting about this as well is in that state, you are not in a... If we look at the way that the world in which we live, right, in this area around us, if we explain it in dimensional realities and vibration, then this is just a very heavy, dense vibrational state for our true selves, however you believe in that, to exist in. Now, the further you get from a connection to the your ability to function the way that this dimension was meant to be functioned in, let's say autism is a great example, uh, being physically debilitated in the way that you were even temporarily, like you usually exist in that state, you had something happen to you which took you out of this perfect uh, performance in this dimension, but it gave you access to something else. It, it's, a, it's an interesting theory to correlate the distance from which people can fit in, for lack of a better word, to this 3D reality, uh, to the extraordinary things that they can achieve that, that yes. can't be explained. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, because you look at, I mean, even the state of like autism, right? I mean, because that is something that there, and some people have said that that's the next level of human evolution because of the cognitive ability that they're able to do beyond what we can really measure with things that we understand to exist in this 3D reality. They don't blend into society as far as norms and all of these social things that they're able to do, but they're extraordinary at things like music, comprehension, yeah. uh, connection, um, the the way that they can, their intuition, all of these things are dialed up to 11. And that's why they get some mm. socially awkward type of things because it's a, it's a data input overload. Um, yes, yes. But they're exceptional at other things that, that people really rooted in this third dimension reality really don't have access to and, and can be viewed as remarkable. Right. Right. I mean, I, I, I think when, if, if your antenna is that fine tuned, then dense vibrations are going to be very um, deregulating. Yes. Yes. That is a great way to put it. You That's know. a great way to put it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I do want to ask you, we'll probably wrap this up here in a little bit. We've already been doing this for an hour. It didn't feel wow. like that. Really? I know. <laughs> it just blows by, I'm telling you. So, it, well, yeah, no and, and I still want to talk to you after we hang up, so don't hang up just yet. Um, but okay. I, please. Um, <laughs> I, something that's interesting, too, is to the frequency at which pitches are tuned. Have you done any work on the 440? Yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm actually, yeah. So I'm, what, it, what is your uh, impression of standard tuning, 440? Uh, I mean, well, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I've heard people talk about it like that. I, I personally um, don't think that it was meant to uh, confine people. I think that it was just meant to have something regulated so that there's an agreed upon pitch. I agree with that. Um, you know, do you think but later, think, though, it was found out to be that way and then therefore a nefarious discovery was made and then 
Or do you think that that's out of it completely? You just think it was a standard, kind of like English or a common language, right? I, 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 I would say in the limited knowledge that I have of it, because it's not like I've spent too much time really researching that one. But um, I would say more in terms of a standardized language. However, it's not um, the most healing mm. necessarily. Um, if you, it's really interesting. If you listen back to any of the tunes recorded in the i mean this is this is this is a ways back now but if you listen to tunes that were recorded back in the 70s 80s a lot of them are not a 440 right i don't play a 440 i play a half step down oh do you yeah yeah that's cool and so this is the question though and so i i was curious to see is if you had found these magic frequencies and then wrote a composition where all of these deliberately placed healing frequencies that like the 528 you know and you 932 uh, something like that you can go through and find these pinpoint hertz type of actions there are some i don't know if you're on tiktok but there are some videos all the time and basically it's a bell it's a tone uh it's just a sine wave that's at a p- specific frequency range and on the screen they'll tell you this is blah 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 hertz it's going to open up your third eye and then you know you listen to it three times and then you move on with your life and you do feel different uh, i've had a guy on named matthew cosell he's a tibetan throat singer so if you have any need for that in any music i've got you hooked up he's unbelievable that's cool but his music when you listen to it it lifts it there's something that happens you can feel it it makes physiological changes within you yeah i'm interested to see as an experiment if for you to write something like this to where you take all of these specific frequencies that do specific things you could come up with an audio cd that clears all of your chakras in one listen yeah i actually have been kind of internally encouraged to do something like that. Now you're externally audio-wise encouraged to do something like that. <laughs> I think that would be so cool. And then you could find out like what um I mean, what would work best like in a chimpanzee pop, uh, population for instance, what resonates yeah. with them well and keeps a cohesion, keeps a calm. You know, and and this is not news to anyone. You can listen to heavy metal and it gets you either pumped up or you're ready to kick someone's ass. Uh, you can listen to, you know, um, symphonies and depending on what you're listening to, uh, I love the Four Seasons by the way. That whole piece is incredible. Um, if you listen to something like that, obviously you get into a different state, but it's deliberate. And so it's also deliberate on the other side to kind of create a dissonance within society to the ones that are either in 440. Again, if you're if you're following kind of a nefarious type of an outlook on that, I I want to default to that that's just a standard, right? Somebody just figured out that this many fingerings on a French horn kind of go in this direction, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that also, I mean, one of the things that I'm really involved in is there, there's the frequencies, but also um, progress, just har- har- progressions. Yeah. Progressions um, are, are really, and for anybody out there who's listening, if this, you know, if you don't, okay, say, say you want to do something that's healing, but you don't, feel like you you know have the technology to be able to do different frequencies or whatnot. What I have found honestly, um, what's also you know very, very powerful is the intention with which you do something. Yes. And really finding those finding those intervallic, you know, that's just like basically the distance between notes two notes. So like just finding those intervallic relationships where you can feel in your own energy, 
does where does this move you know because there are pieces of music there's something i'm working on right now actually that as i'm working on it i can feel it clearing my body mm-hmm. the music itself it like i actually like to listen to it not because i did it it it's not an ego thing it's because they're because it's healing yes <laughs> you know so i like to listen to it i mean obviously it, it's interesting because with this kind of thing that we're talking about there there are just two different ways there are two different perspectives because artistically you know you always want to improve on what you're doing and there's all that kind of stuff you know and then there's also if it's really um you know that that kind of purity that you're talking about then um there's going to be another quality to it where it's not even really quite yours anyway you know you just you know you you have the good fortune of being a vehicle for it exactly how i feel about it yeah this is another reason it makes you so great because your awareness of this you know honestly um that's well that's the whole point (laughs) yeah that is i mean because i want to be a happy person i want to have a great life and this is part i mean if i'm not operating out from that awareness i'm not going to be happy i mean it's because i'm not going to be myself otherwise yeah, you just might as well just go write the monster mash or something, you know, just throw your <laughs> life away. <laughs> well, you know, what, whatever, right? Uh, so, yeah. you know, but I mean, this is just a, it's just a natural, it's a, it's a natural thing, you know, but I, I think it's, you know, in, in, it's kind of like what I was, what, one of the points of the book, the world really needs you. You know, I'm saying that to, well, to you, I'm saying it to the listeners, whoever you guys are out there. The world needs you. So the, 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 the least we can do is, you know, get to know who we are. Ruth, you are an absolute delight. You are welcome on any damn time. Uh, this has been <laughs> fantastic. I have a million more questions for you, but uh, we're going to wrap it here. So maybe I can have you back on uh, to come back. And, uh, I would love to come back on. You're amazing. You're amazing. And thank you for the compliment. I will take you uh, up on that, but it's all about the guests. It's all about this. So you're, you're just uh, incredible. So thank you so, so much. I really do appreciate you. So I will, of course, link all of the ways to find uh, you in the show notes, especially your book. Uh, I cannot wait to dive into some more of your music. Um, and that is a question I've got for you after we wrap here but um you're you're unbelievable i'm truly grateful that we connected in this life this is soul tribe stuff and i love the way that this has worked out (laughs) you know everything it's so (laughs) cool all right so um thank you so much let's speak again soon yeah thank you so much absolutely incredible woman absolutely incredible conversation she is beyond talented guys in all the ways that matter she is the true expression of living by synchronicity and following the path that's that you've chosen but getting out of your own way to do so i we we have so much more to talk about she will definitely be back on so you guys make sure that you stay in tune of course all of the ways to find her her book is linked down there as well as her website so go go down and contact her go check out some of her scores i mean i bet you would recognize more of her music than you think that you would it's it's incredible, guys. So uh, incredibly grateful to have met Ruth and to be connected in this way. Grace uh, McCormick uh, from a previous episode, a good friend of mine, she represents Ruth. So that's how this got set up. So uh, for this show, guys, um, you can find us at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where the links to all of the socials will be found. You can just go there, uh, YouTube, Patreon, you know, all that other good stuff is there. Um, 
The music that you're hearing right now is Vinny the Saint. He's a good friend of the show, good friend of mine. His link tree is down in the show notes as well, so please go check that out. Um, Go out into your week this week, guys. It's a beautiful place. Uh, Go make some beautiful music. Go listen to some incredible music. Go be moved by some incredible music. Uh, Either way you slice it, there's an unbelievable world out here that is truly remarkable. And you can set this world and this experience to a wonderful soundtrack. So uh, check that out. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to, if you feel like you're, you know, getting a message from your spirit guides or something like that, put your shuffle, put a playlist on shuffle. And the songs that pop up in whatever order have some message for you from your spirit guide. It's just fun. Uh, You can do this with any kind of music, by the way. So um, go out into your week this week, guys, while you're doing all of that and pick up a piece of litter. Of course, we only have this one planet to do your part, to do what we can to mitigate the damage that we do to it. I go and uh, just hold the door open for somebody else. Buy a meal or a coffee, a a bottle of water, anything for somebody in line in front of or behind you. It makes a massive impact on the world around you, especially on your day. Like the impact it has on you is what's the most remarkable about it. So um, get out of the left-hand lane while you are in the spirit of doing something amazing and high vibrational. Left-hand lane um, needs to be gotten out of, so that's a good way to do that. Uh, If somebody's behind you, of course. So um, go out also into your week this week, guys. And the whole message of this whole thing is to just be good to one another. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time.